and welcome to the Bread, Wine, and Everything Fine podcast, where I'll be talking about all things food, the finer things, and things that are fine just the way they are. I'm your host, Sancha Toth, a bread and wine-loving photographer, wife, and mother who loves gathering people in my home to eat good food and have good conversation. I learn so much from the people I get to talk to, and I'm very excited to start sharing some of those conversations here on this podcast. This episode is a continuation of my conversation with Kevin, and we get into some really cool things. We talked about food and wine pairings, specifically when it comes to a Christmas or a holiday meal. He dishes out on some wines that won't break the bank, but are delicious, gives a glimpse into his personal go-tos, which was very generous of him, and touches on a whole range of different grapes. So let's jump right back in. So we're heading into the holiday season. Mm -hmm. As you go into like Christmas dinners and mm-hmm. stuff like that, I think a lot of the time people are like, okay, red beef, white poultry. Mm-hmm. Um, if it, where the food comes from, like buy wine from where the food comes from totally. kind of Absolutely. thing. So like, that's, that's your safest wine pairing bet. If you're okay. going to make like a spaghetti bolognese, buy something Italian. <laughs> so when it comes to Christmas dinner and our family, it usually looks like cheese, meat, mm-hmm. you know, bread to start. And then you've got probably poultry. Mm-hmm potatoes, gravy. It's kind of heavy. Um, maybe some like Brussels sprouts in the mix. Um, and then dessert. Yeah. If you were just kind of thinking about like your average family who might shop at Liquor Depot, Mm -hmm. (laughs) what would you recommend for those courses per se, or maybe not even courses? Maybe there's a wine that goes with all of them. Yeah. Um, okay. So, I mean, if we're going to talk about if we're starting with cheeses, say, um, soft cheeses and wine don't really go very well together. Okay. Uh, mostly because soft cheeses coat your mouth. So when you sip wine, you can't really taste it. You want crumbly cheeses, anything acidic as well. You want a lot of acidity, especially if you're going to cut through the fattiness of cheese. Mm -hmm. So something like sharp cheddars, Pinot Noirs, anything Italian, uh, Sangioveses. So like Chianti Classicos, Mm -hmm. um, Brunello's, what else do you have over there? Nebbiolos are fantastic from Northwest Italy. What we're drinking tonight would be amazing with a cheese mm-hmm. board and charcuterie because, I mean, it's awesome. We're drinking a, a Sicilian Norella Mescalese, which is pretty rare in our market, but super tasty. This is incredible. I am so enjoying it. Thank yeah, you. This is, yeah, you're welcome. This is, a, this is a really fun one. I've been enamored with this producer for the last little while it's basically my house wine right now like so if i just want to buy something to drink that night this is this is their kind of middle tier okay one uh their entry level one is under 30 bucks i think it's like 27 dollars a bottle Amazing. and it's phenomenal so my big thing is i always like to find wines that have outstanding value for under 30 bucks yep um don't get me wrong you know i what? still for spend like... a fair amount of money on wine yes but for my like everyday consumption and this is even higher than most people will tend to spend on a bottle of wine but like if i can find something that's really good great value under 30 dollars that's my wheelhouse and so. even for the holidays i think that's a time when people tend to maybe care a little bit less about keeping it under 20 dollars. and totally. it's like okay it's the holidays maybe go up to 30 so i love yep. that that yep. it can be accessible and i think there is this misconception that wine obviously like you said if it's going to be five to six hundred dollars it better be good yeah but had some i really disappointing expensive wines but right but i think it is i think it is this this idea that if it's under a certain amount that it's going to be terrible so i like that that it's like 27 dollars, and that you would buy it and Mm -hmm. enjoy it i try and find a bottle over the course of the week that i'm going to enjoy for under 30 dollars, and i'll kind of flirt with different ideas and different 
styles. So whether it's sparkling, mm-hmm. white rosé, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Recently, I've been on a really big Syrah kick. So I've been drinking a lot mm. of Syrah. Syrah is one. I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's the name. It scares me. Why? I don't know. I've never really... It's so good. I know. I've never... I think it just like seems super full and because i love pinot noir it's kind mm. of scary but okay no, no. next time Syrah. okay yeah deal. um <laughs> yeah next time Syrah. there's some really really good ones out there um washington state is making some outstanding Syrah right now um even even canada i, I was out in the okanagan over the summer and i uh, met with a couple different winemakers i went to nickel vineyard in the naramata mm-hmm. bench and uh, black market wine company and they're mm-hmm. down in okanagan falls and Nickel has the oldest Syrah plantings in the Okanagan. They're, the vines are over 30 years old, which is old for, for Canada. the Okanagan. Yeah. And they make some outstanding old vine. They call it their old vine Syrah. And it's pretty reasonably priced for how good the wine is. It's around $40 a bottle on the shelf. And nice. it's outstanding. And it'll age forever, which is the nice thing about it as well. So you can buy a bottle and cellar it if you really want to. Um, and then, uh, black market as well. They focus on Bordeaux varietals mostly. So in the, the Okanagan, in the Okanagan, Interesting. but Rob Hammersley, who's the head winemaker at black market, he, he and I got into a big conversation about Syrah cause we both love it. And he was saying that he thinks Syrah is going to be the red wine grape from the Okanagan. Like that is going to be the grape that'll put Canada hmm. on the map or at least the Okanagan on the map. Okay, so cheeses and stuff thinking either don't have soft cheese with wine or right. if you're going to have soft cheese would you say like a sparkling or Sparkling is probably your best bet for sure. Okay. Um and even okay. something with a bit of sweetness like prosecco would be a good bet. I was just going to say bet. prosecco and prosecco is generally quite affordable. Very affordable. Yeah. yeah. And then moving into kind of more the dinner. So let's say it's a turkey dinner. Right. So a lot of people, I mean, I know that we always do Christmas Eve at a family friend's place and she always makes ham and she always makes turkey. Um, so if you're looking for something along those right, lines. Right. Of course, ham. Yeah. Ham, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Beaujolais. 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 Beaujolais yeah. Nouveau or Beaujolais? No, not Nouveau. I okay. mean, Beaujolais Nouveau is basically a wine you just want to crush. You don't want to <laughs> drink it with anything. You just yeah. want to drink it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, if you get some decent Beaujolais, the nice thing with Beaujolais is that it's also fairly accessible. It's not very expensive. Mm-hmm. It's made with a grape called Gamay, mm-hmm. which is usually quite fruit forward. Uh, so it pairs well with like cranberry jam and all that kind of stuff. And people that you're gonna, like and, it. And people like it. It's very accessible. It's very fruit forward. It doesn't have a lot of tannin structure, mm-hmm. but it's friendly and it's very food friendly. A lot of people kind of turn their nose up at it because it's usually on the more inexpensive side, mm-hmm. but you can get some outstanding Beaujolais. Outstanding, like five star, 100 point Beaujolais for 40 bucks, okay. which is very difficult to do with any other wine region in the world. So Beaujolais is just south of Burgundy mm-hmm. and high-end Burgundies, the wines that'll hit those hundred points will go for four, five, six, seven, eight hundred, sometimes $10,000 a bottle. And Beaujolais just to the south, the most expensive Beaujolais I've found in the Calgary market is $43. And That's that amazing. is some outstanding wine and you can put it up next to some top tier Burgundy mm. Pinot Noirs and it'll hold up just fine. So let's say Beaujolais, you were like, I only have the budget for one bottle. Beaujolais might even make sense with like a Two. crumbly cheese. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Interesting. Beaujolais is just, it's like a little hidden gem. Absolutely. I don't drink a lot of it, mostly because Sarah, my fiance, does not like Gamay. Yeah. So <laughs> we, don't, we don't drink a lot of it and that's fine. But it is. What does she like? 
She's a Pinot. Um, <laughs> yeah, Pinot Noir, Nebbiolo, um, anything, anything that's tannic and acidic. Okay. So, I mean, she's kind of like me. We, she likes most things, but there's just like a handful. Like we rarely drink California Cabernet. We tend to lean to wines that have really high acidity because they're refreshing mm-hmm. and they don't fatigue your palate and you can have a lot of it and not feel like, heavy. like overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Like you can still taste it, right? Whether yeah. you're having your first it glass. It does your mouth. Right. Yeah. If you're having your first glass or your 10th glass, you can still taste high acidic wines, mm-hmm. which is great. Whereas with California Cabernet or those really high alcohol really heavy reds you have a glass or two and you're kind of like yeah, i'm done like i don't really want anymore let's have a mm-hmm. beer yeah <laughs> whereas for me i'm like no i if i want to have a wine night i'm gonna drink things that will not make my palate tired that are sustainable sustainable yeah. right and that actually falls in line with what we're drinking tonight it's very mm-hmm. high acidity good tannin structure yep pinot adjacent is yes. probably the best way yeah. to describe I it like it's, that. it's more tannic than you would get from a pinot noir mm-hmm. But it is very accessible. Yeah. Right? It's it's a wine that you can drink by itself and it would pair very well with food. And so, so moving into dessert. So dessert, Christmas, lots of sugar. Totally. It might be pies. Mm-hmm. It might be like Christmas baking yeah. or both. Yeah. Like what, like do you even drink wine with dessert usually or do you kind of shift gears or if you were, what would you So would you that's say? kind of an interesting question. Um. Yes. So traditionally, most people would drink fortified wines. Okay. So like a port. Port, sherry, Sherry. that kind of stuff. Nowadays, with how strict the drinking and driving laws have become, a lot of people don't want to finish the night with a wine that is 20%, 24% alcohol. So globally, um, fortified wine sales have plummeted over the last number of years. You don't see them as much. So a lot of people don't drink those style of wines anymore that said they absolutely should so they're fantastic they age forever um if you're drinking a sherry for instance like there's nothing better to me than creme brulee with oloroso sherry because the sherry oloroso sherry is actually bone dry there's no sweetness in it whatsoever Mm -hmm. but because of how it's made it can age forever and you can leave it uncorked and it'll still be fine for like probably a couple months, honestly. Um, it's oxidatively aged and oxygen destroys wine. So if you do the job of destroying the wine to serve it, it's going to be fine. Right. And Oloroso Sherry is awesome with something like creme brulee. It just cuts through the sweetness mm-hmm. and it's still acidic enough that it you know, will pair with it really, really well. Uh, anything chocolate, go with port, absolutely. Depending. Um, I'm always a big fan of ruby ports, especially with chocolate, because ruby ports are made exactly like red wine. They're just very sweet and high hmm. alcohol. Because um, I think a lot of times people are like, oh, dessert, ice wine, like dessert wine, like just sweet and sweet. But I right. like that. Like you even said that you need something with cheese that will cut the fat. Totally. And the same thing, like you need something that will complement or cut the sweet. Right, absolutely. Your basic your basic rule of thumb when it comes to pairing wines with dessert is you want the wine to be as sweet or sweeter than the dessert. So port and chocolate go really well together because generally the amount of sugar that's in the port is going to overpower the amount of sugar that's in the chocolate, mm-hmm. but it'll still complement each other really well. You'll, you'll still get the sweetness mm-hmm. from the chocolate and you'll get the sweetness from the port. The trouble comes in if you're going to drink something like what we're drinking tonight, Mm -hmm. this lighter looking tannic 
grape varietal and then have this with chocolate. If you were to have a bite of chocolate and then go to this wine, it would be very astringent Mm -hmm. and not pleasant. You're not going to get any of the fruit flavor anymore because basically the sugar makes your palate tired and then it overwhelms it and it takes a while for your ability to taste sweet Mm -hmm. to go away. So that's all you're tasting for a long period of time. So if you go back to the wine that you're drinking currently, it wouldn't work very well. So you want as sweeter, sweeter. That makes sense. So kind of going back to that, if you're going into a wine store, Mm -hmm. heading into Christmas time, are there any wineries that you right now are like, yeah, like this would be accessible to like your average income home or... Is, is there any one that you would recommend that listeners could be like, I can look for that because right now I don't know and my future in-laws are coming over and I just need to like have something. Um, yeah, that's kind of an interesting question because I'm a, I'm a wine geek through and through. So whenever I go buy a bottle of wine, I try and buy stuff that I've never had before. Oh, that's cool. So I don't go back to the same wines over and over, not frequently, very rarely, in fact. I actually just did that. I went and I bought six different wines, completely different. I Mm -hmm. did a sparkling, I think I had a Chianti, Mm. um, a Pinot Noir, (laughs) of Of course. course. Um, and, but they were from different, so I had obviously Italy, France, and then there was sparkling. And then I did one from Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick. Yeah, because I was like, it's Canadian. I haven't actually tasted a lot of Canadian wines. I think mm-hmm. because it's younger and it's a newer industry. I think I had a Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand mm-hmm. and, oh, a Gewürz Demeanor actually, which yep. I don't ever drink. Yep. So I was like, I need to open myself up to this and I think I don't drink it because I always associate it with being incredibly sweet Mm -hmm. and I know they're not always incredibly sweet no I would say the vast majority of the time there's like some residual sugar but there's not necessarily always a lot Mm -hmm. and Riesling too up until probably a few months ago I was always like oh no Riesling sweet I don't like sweet wines that's fair and then I tasted one at in Ontario at the Wayne Gretzky winery actually and it was delicious and it was not sweet at all yep. and i was like i have been missing out all this time i can't remember who was a saint who was it anyway he had a, he had a quote along the lines of the world is a book and those who do not travel only read one page yes and that's exactly how i view the world of wine hmm. right like there's so many wines out there there's so many grapes out there i mm-hmm. think it's pointless not to try something new and I get it. Again, if you like what you like, you want to drink what you want to drink, that's totally fine. But I think it's a shame because mm-hmm. you can learn a lot more about what's going on in the world with cuisine, with, you know, just the people, the history, all these things by trying a different bottle of wine. Just, mm-hmm. you know, grab one off the shelf. And it's so accessible that, to right, us. Like so accessible. You could taste wine from literally all over the world. Maybe yep. not as big of a variety depending on where we are, like I was looking for South African wines the other day. Yeah. There's a very small... There's a handful. Yeah. yeah. I, have a, I have a friend of mine who did the diploma with me. He started his own uh, import company. Amazing. And he has a lot of South African wines in his portfolio, and they're fantastic. Yeah. They're absolutely fantastic. It's, we, it's just one of those countries that we don't get a lot of here just because of how far it needs to go. So it's, not, it's kind of cost prohibitive because by the time it gets here, it's going to be a lot more expensive than... Mm-hmm. what it costs there 
so it's not necessarily worth it for the producers to ship it here because they lose out on yes. almost all the margins, right? So we have friends from South Africa. We were just visiting in Vancouver, yeah. and they were like, "It's so hard to find our favorites," and they have wine back home. Yeah that their families are storing for them. Yep. They're looking forward to going back to drink that wine yeah, because it was so expensive <laughs> to move it over here. Yep. And yeah, so I'm not surprised. I mean, that's one of those things too, that I just wouldn't necessarily do. If you're moving overseas, I wouldn't necessarily bring a wine collection with no. me just because yeah, it's going to be like, very cost prohibitive. Okay. So I'm just thinking about like a total wine noob. what would be like a good place to start like is there a country or a winery that you're like yeah generally good stuff so you could like say a Beaujolais totally so if you go to the vast majority of wine stores in Calgary they're not going to carry a lot of Beaujolais unfortunately you need to go to the boutique places to find a decent selection or at least some of the higher end ones Um, but even then like I was saying earlier the higher end ones are not that much more expensive than the entry-level Beaujolais. Um, so places like Metro Vino, Vine Arts, um, Bin 905 has a small selection of Beaujolais, Kensington Wine Market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all these places have like a decent selection. And if someone wasn't in Calgary, probably something just not like a right. average Joe liquor right. store. Unless you're in Quebec, because then they just import everything French. So right. you can go to any store and have a ridiculous selection. <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, okay. but yeah, Beaujolais is a good place to go. For sure, if you want to try something new and different. It's lighter bodied, really refreshing, easy drinking, pairs well with most foods. Perfect. And if someone was going to do like a sparkling, um, I think that's fun, like heading into New Year's and Mm -hmm. it's just like pop a bottle. What would you recommend? Like, are you an avid champagne drinker or are you open to Prosecco? Champagne is like by far my favorite thing that I drink, for sure. (laughs) Okay. If I had to pick one wine to drink just forever, it would be champagne because it's so good. Um But that said, I mean, yeah, Prosecco is fantastic. It's a little sweet for my palate Mm -hmm. unless it's like a really hot day. I I, I love it. There was nothing better. I was in Italy in 2017 just crushing a liter of Prosecco with my friends Mm -hmm. while it was 35 degrees outside, right? Like that was the best thing on the planet. Um, But I don't drink a lot of Prosecco personally. Just I find it too sweet for my palate. I really, really love Spanish cava. Okay. Because it is made exactly like champagne but it's usually like a third of the price if Mm -hmm. not a quarter of the price so traditional method that's a whole long thing that you can look up i understand but yes yes (laughs) so yeah it's made like champagne whereas prosecco is not made like Mm -hmm. champagne it's made in a cheaper method um it's fermented in tank as opposed to in in the bottle specifically but kava has to be fermented in the bottle and it's, I always forget about kava. Oh, it's so good. I think because I'm kava's like, the best. Prosecco. I need to do that. Yeah. Okay, I need I to add that I drink a lot of bubbles, list. and kava's my thing. If I just want mm. something quick and easy, that's where I go, okay. for sure. So any kava? Uh, Reventos is kind of like the higher end. They're technically not under the kava label anymore. Okay. They left the designation because they wanted to make better wine, and. But, I mean, there's a lot that you can get. Um, Sigara Viudis is one that I really, really like. That's like $15, $18 a Amazing. bottle at most places. And um, that kind of fits in like anyone who's interested in buying kava could probably afford oh, totally. $15 to $18. Totally. And so I love that, that yep. there are these wines that are delicious and yeah. that you don't have to break the bank to drink delicious wine, no, which is kind of part of the heart behind this podcast is going like, how can... Um, these conversations be informative to people who maybe don't have like a $20,000 annual wine budget, mm-hmm. <laughs> which right. I wish I did, but right in reality, it's not realistic. 
uh, when you think about how much some of the wines actually cost. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a few people that I follow on Instagram just because it's so fun living life through their oh, feed absolutely. because they drink nothing that's under like six, $700 a bottle. Oh and I'm just gosh. like, I wish I could afford that, but <laughs> I'll buy a bottle that's that expensive once every five years mm-hmm. maybe <laughs> like I have a handful of wines in my collection that are about that much but very rarely mm-hmm. like I like like I said earlier I like finding those gems like those wines that I know I can sell or I know I can age for a reasonable mm-hmm. price whether it be 30 40 50 bucks I'll occasionally go up to 100 but that doesn't happen very mm-hmm. often like it's because it's not sustainable like yeah. for everyday people $100 a bottle is not sustainable yeah and all. I think it's exactly that breaking that idea and being like no you can actually enjoy wine decently on a budget Absolutely. and it is possible so yeah. no I appreciate that yeah. okay so I end every episode normally asking mm-hmm. if you were to go out for dinner what would you order and if you were to come home and make something what would you make but when it comes to wine, or maybe not wine, actually, okay. if you're just to go out for a drink, what would you order? And if you were to be at home, hmm. what would be like your go-to? And I know you said you like trying different things, mm-hmm. yep. but like if you just had like your one go-to, like this is just hitting the spot most days, okay. what would that be out and at home? Okay, so out and about, depending on what the, what the plan is for the evening and where we're going to eat, most of the time I drink beer. Okay. Oddly. Um, if That's we're going not odd. out, if that we're going out for a higher end dinner, dep- again, it depends on kind of what we're going for. I, I have a few, I have like a handful of grape varietals that I lean to, um, for reds, Pinot Noir, Syrah mm-hmm. and Nebbiolo, which is an, an Italian grape varietal yeah. from Northwest Italy. I absolutely love, hmm. uh, the Nebbiolos are quite expensive usually cause they're You'll know them more as Barolo. Thinking about those grapes specifically, what is it about them that you enjoy? Because I know that wine is a very personal thing. Like you said, uh, your fiance doesn't like the gamay grapes. So for you, it's very personal. For her, it's very personal. Right. What is it about those grapes that you're drawn to? So the thread that kind of ties the three of them together is um, acidity. All three of them have higher acidity, especially Nebbiolo and Pinot Noir, Mm -hmm. Syrah, depending on where it comes from, whether mm-hmm. it's Shiraz from Australia or whether it's Syrah from the Northern Rhone Valley in France. And for listeners, California. Shiraz and Syrah. Same grape. Same grape, different. Yep. Different pronunciation, yes. but same grape. Yeah, so Australia, Shiraz is known as like big, brooding, jammy, high alcohol, lower acidity, and just like cloying almost. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people like that big style of wine. Fine. I like... I like wines that are have a bit more finesse, especially when it comes to Syrah. So I tend to lean to um, Canadian Syrahs. I really enjoy um, Washington State and French mostly. I've had a, a lot of really good Spanish Syrah over the last little while mm. as well. And even Italian. Italians make some really good Syrah as well. There's another producer out, out of Sicily that makes a really good single varietal Syrah. Yeah, so those are the three main red grape varietals that I would lean to. Okay. Um, I try and find something on a wine list that's like usually between 60 and 70. It's hard to do that with Pinot because Pinot is usually quite a bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 60 to $70, $80 on a wine list is kind of my wheelhouse. And then I'll just find what I think is going to be the best at that price point. Mm-hmm. So and you said Syrah, Pinot, and... Nebbiolo, Nebbiolo is the grape. So again, getting back into the confusing nature of Italian wines, uh, the region that it comes from is Piedmont. Okay. Translates as foot of the mountain. That's the greater area. Then you have 
the two main regions, subregions are called Barolo and Barbaresco. Yes. And a lot of people think that that's the name of the grape. The grape is actually Nebbiolo, but it comes from Barolo. Gotcha. Right. I am one of those people that thought that. So yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah. So um, Italy's a whole other story, but yeah, yes. that you can spend years trying to decipher. The Which is why labels. I'm talking to you and not right. learning. <laughs> exactly. So what about whites? So, so those white, are uh, number one, Riesling. Interesting. Okay. Riesling, so I need Riesling, to expand Riesling, my Riesling palette. Riesling, good old vitamin R. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a very versatile grape varietal. Um, it's, it's known as an aromatic grape varietal, mm-hmm. which is, it usually means that they don't take very well to oak. Uh, and they rarely are ever oaked. If they are, it's usually old, old neutral barrels that mm-hmm. don't impart any oak flavor. Um, very high in acidity naturally can yeah. reach very high levels of ripeness. Um, they make some of the best sweet wines in the world. Some of the most long lived wines in the world. Mm-hmm. I know which winery is it in Italy or in Germany now? This is also going to drive me crazy, but they have a bottle of Riesling dating back to 1791, like probably still okay just yeah. because acidity is a natural preservative. So the higher mm. the acidity, the longer the wine will live. And it's, it's fantastic because like the lower alcohol, sweeter Rieslings mm-hmm. are great as, as an aperitif just mm-hmm. to open up your appetite and get ready for the evening or it's great for dessert just by itself or you can get some nice dry Riesling mm-hmm. and even dry Rieslings don't really get much higher than like 12, 12 and percent alcohol. So they're not overpowering either, mm-hmm. but it's the, it's the acidity that just brings me back to them. They're so food friendly. Mm-hmm. They can Riesling and Turkey, get a dry Riesling and Turkey. Okay. Absolutely. And I'm then sold. I'm Chardonnay sold. is another one uh, for whites. I, I'm a big, big fan Where of Chardonnay. Um, I don't drink a lot of new world. Okay, that was what I, I was going to ask. I rarely drink New World wines, even in my everyday life, like mm-hmm. at home, rarely. Um, mostly European wines. And that's a lot to do with the value for money. Spain and Portugal are fantastic. Same with Italy. Like you can find some really good bottles of wine for not a lot of money. If you want a New World example, Argentina and and uh, Chile make fantastic wines as well that are not very expensive. So those are kind of like... If you want price mm-hmm. value, those countries are okay. fantastic. So that was Spain, Portugal, Argentina, Chile. Italy as well. Italy, yeah, Italy yes. can, you can find some really good stuff. Yeah, Chardonnay, I don't drink a lot of New World. Try not to. It's not that I try not to. It just I, it doesn't suit my palate, so mm-hmm. I kind of lean away from it. That said, one of the best Chardonnays I've had recently was from Blue Mountain in the Okanagan Falls. So Canadian, their new right. vintage of their Chardonnay, their 2017 Chardonnay is outstanding. So listeners, take notes. Take notes of this. Yep. You can buy it at, <laughs> buy it at J-Web. Perfect. They're the only ones who bring it into Calgary. So So Chardonnay, Riesling. Yep. I always like trying new things. I don't I don't mm-hmm. stick to one varietal mostly, but Riesling, so not, not Riesling just is the big one. Right. Yeah. Not just Merlot. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Yeah. And it makes so much sense to yep. me. I don't like Merlot. So. Yeah. It's, Merlot is actually a really interesting thing. The funny thing with Merlot is, have you ever seen the movie Sideways? No. Okay, so there's a line in Sideways, and I'm going to curse here because it, okay. it's needed. <laughs> but um, it, it was a movie that came out, I think, in 2004, and it focuses on a writer who's also a school teacher okay. who is big into wine, and he takes his buddy up to wine country in California from L.A. or San Diego for his bachelor party, and it's just the two of them. Amazing. And, and Miles, the main character, just hates Merlot. And they're going out on this like double date for dinner, and he's in a foul mood and his buddy is like, you know what? If they order Merlot, we're drinking. And he's like, no, I am not drinking any 
fucking Merlot. <laughs> and oddly enough, that line, that movie. I've heard about this. This this yes. is called the sideways effect. Yes. It dropped global Merlot sales by like 50% in the years following. And it still hasn't entirely recovered. That's crazy. 15 years later after this movie came out, like the Merlot sales, people kind of still turn their nose up at Merlot and it's almost entirely because of this movie. Thank you so much for coming and chatting all things around. I know we could talk for actually forever. Probably. Um, so I'm sorry that we're cutting this off here. No, but no, it's all good. Thank you so much and thank you for the wine and I wish you all the best with your new endeavors and yeah, thank I'm excited. You. Thank you so much. Of course, thank you. Oh my goodness, it was so hard to end the conversation there. Wine is such a vast topic, but I feel like I learned so much even from that hour. I hope you feel more equipped to buy a bottle of wine for a holiday dinner and that maybe, like me, feel a little bit more inspired to go out and try a bottle of something new. If you've been enjoying this podcast, I would be forever grateful if you would leave a little review below. And if you haven't subscribed already, do so now and you will never miss an episode.